Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks for joining me this week. My motivational quote for today is by Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and it says, to forgive is the highest form of self-interest. I need to forgive so that my anger and resentment and lust for revenge don't corrode my own being. Have you ever clicked send on an email that really wasn't ready to go or perhaps blurted out hurtful words to a friend or family member? How about losing your keys, forgetting to use a rebate in time, or showing up late for an appointment? Then you spend the rest of the day thinking, what's wrong with me? If you answered no to any of these questions, then I have to ask you, are you even human? We all have our stories, our flaws, and our little idiosyncrasies that we wish we could just hit the road, wish would just hit the road. Lots of us struggle with weight and health issues. We know what to do. We just don't do it. Every day is a vicious cycle of resolve, caving in, and then torturing ourselves. Same goes for work. We stay, in a jo- we stay in our jobs that are unfulfilling because we don't have the confidence maybe to polish up our resume and try to retool our car- or try to retool our current job. Five o'clock rolls around, and you can't wait to get the heck out of there. And guess what, what, folks? You can make all of this self-bashing come to a halt and start your road filled with self-forgiveness and self-love and progress. My guest today is T.J. Woodward. He's an author, speaker, addiction counselor, TV and radio show host. He does it all. And he also has a new book, Conscious Being, which is an insightful guide for rediscovering your essential nature and living an intentional and awakened life. I personally have read this book, loved it, and felt it had a calming effect on me, which is always a good thing in my family for my kids, as well as a tool that I can go to um, so that I go easier on myself as well. Um, I'm going to welcome TJ, and then I just want to add one more comment about the book. So, TJ, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you, Connie, so much. And I just want to start by saying um, how grateful I am that you asked me to be on the show. And I love, love the title of your show, Architect of Change. When I was young, I wanted to be an architect, and I recognized that, like, we create a blueprint or a plan, and I just love mm-hmm. that analogy for how we change our lives and move in the direction that we want and, you know, living a more fulfilled and dynamic life. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and, and that was the point of the title of the show because we really are the architects of our own change. Sometimes we don't know that, but we certainly – you really have the power to do that, and that's why I'm excited about our topics today because it really is we, – we're rough on ourselves, man, every day, and it's not good. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, when when you were offering the description at the beginning, I just thought that's how I lived my life every single day, this inner dialogue that was just brutal. I mean, it was mm-hmm. brutal. And and I recognized that, you know, no, I would never have a friend that talked to me the way I talked to myself in my own head. So I'm looking forward to this conversation about how we move from that into self-forgiveness and self-love today. Yeah, I, and I think that's great. The one thing, I, before we jump into our topic, I just want to share one more thing about the book, Conscious Being. 
I really highly recommend it. Number one, it, it's not a difficult read, but I know, um, TJ, some people are apprehensive about reading a whole book. We're busy, et cetera. The thing that I found kind of cool about the book, which I was well into it when I realized this, but you can open the book to any section, and it's just a short – you have it broken into short pieces so that you can read and digest it when you have – even if it's once a month. So for people that are a little intimidated about a full, full book, they can also use it that way. And I, I thought that was kind of a cool byproduct of how you wrote the book. Oh, thanks, Connie. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think it's my own tendency toward a little bit of ADD. You know, I like I, I personally <laughs> don't really do well with reading really dense and really long books, although I, you know, kind of learned how to make myself do that. But I thought I don't want a book where someone – I don't want to write a book where someone feels that way. So I sure. did put it in short, digestible, um, different sections that people could just pick up and read it in about two minutes. Um, I, I just got a phone call from a Unity minister that's using this, using my book, Conscious Being, in a book study, and that's what they're doing. They're just literally opening it up and reading a section and using that for their discussion for the evening. So brilliant. I'm so grateful that people are resonating with that format. Yeah. Yeah, just brilliant. It was it was brilliant. For me, you know, I just loved it. So, again, I, I just want to take the mystery out of, oh, a whole book, another book, you know, easy peasy to read. So go for it, folks. All right, my mm-hmm. first question. Please yeah. define, you know, what self-forgiveness is and why it's so important for us to thrive in our everyday lives. Um, well, I guess to answer that question, I have to start with recognizing, you know, as you spoke so beautifully about what the alternative to that is, and that is for me and everyone that I know, all the clients I work with, this uh, self-bashing and self, really, it's just like this self-hatred that happens inside of many people's heads. Um, you know, I one of the basic premises of my book, the subtitle to the book is Awakening to Your True Nature. And the more I do my spiritual work, the more I do my counseling practice, the more I recognize that that what essentially happens in the human experience in my in my estimation and working with clients is that we come in to this world whole and perfect and really connected with who and what we are. And then we start hearing all these messages from the world that are counter to that. So, you know, we pick up these ideas about ourselves as a separate self. We, we are taught from a very early age about good and bad and right and wrong. And although I recognize that on one level that is all useful, what happens for most of us is we internalize this dialogue and we're just brutal. And so, the first step to this is really awareness that it's even happening in the first place, you know, to even recognize that we are really having this negative self-talk that many of us aren't even aware of. So the first step, you know, I had a great teacher once that, that told me the first step is awareness, the second step is awareness, and the third step is awareness. And I just love that. <laughs> the point, be aware, right? It's funny yeah. that you, you say that, too. I, I had a guest a couple of weeks back, and um, Peggy Burdick, and she said the exact same thing, that 80% of our thoughts are negative. And yeah. you're like, what? We don't realize because they're so frequent. It's normal to us, right? What is normal? Uh, that doesn't mean it's healthy. Normal doesn't mean healthy. So that was right. interesting. And that's kind of like what you're saying, the self-bashing, the self-hatred. Maybe that's a strong word for some people. But, again, that I'm wrong, I'm not good enough, that, that whole record player that we play in our head. So when we do the self-criticism or, you know, tell ourselves that we're wrong, wrong, wrong all the time, why do we hold on to that when we know we shouldn't? 
Well, you know, I think it, it comes down to a few things for me. I mean, one is, like I said, I think we're really taught that. And, and I don't mean that in a way of blaming, you know, our tall people in our early lives. They're just doing what they believe is helpful. You know, I, I can't, I, I just, I hear so many people say, I need to teach my child the ways of the world so I can protect them. But along with that comes this idea of a separate self. So early on, I think we decide um, that this is the way we're supposed to live, you know, this idea of right and wrong and good and bad. And so um, we internalize that and um, hold on to an old story. So I call it the great remembering. And that is really not that we need to learn anything, but unlearn, you know, Mm. unlearn these ideas that we have about ourselves. Now, why we hold on to them. I'm not sure completely why we do. I know in my own life, I held on to that negative self-talk until it just got too painful. And then that, that re- I reached a really dark period in my life. And through that, I recognized that if I wanted my life to look a certain way, I would have to change from the inside out. And that's work. That takes it, work. And, and yeah. you know, do people hold on to that negative baggage or I'm not good enough, this is my lot in life, I was, you know, dealt a bad hands, whatever whatever that mantra is for them. Is it just easier to, to dwell in that? Is it that they don't know how to raise their awareness? You, you wonder, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's just a curious, because I think everybody's a little bit different. And I think that, yeah, some people like you need to hit rock bottom or that really dark, sad place to be able to say enough, right? We hear that all the time. And I think other people just have accidents or something that makes them stop and appreciate what they did have. But there always seems to be some kind of turning point. It's interesting. I hope that our show is a turning point. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, and that's that's exactly right. I mean, almost everyone that I work with that has what we would call the awakening experience or we could say living our most dynamic life or a more sense of spirituality is usually has some kind of defining moment where things, you know, it could be a divorce, it could be an illness, it could be a loss of a job where we then begin to question, you know, how we've always lived our lives. And so I think, you know, to go back to what you were saying, I, I think most people just aren't aware that it's happening internally. So simply recognizing, getting the concept that we have this inner dialogue and that being aware of that, you know, when they say ignorance is bliss, there's, there's no doubt about that. That was true in my life. It, it, there was something really comfortable about feeling like I was a victim of the world and blaming yeah. outer circumstances for my life. Sure. Sure, we do that. We deflect and blame others, right? It's easier. It, it is much easier to do that. So you talk about awareness, and I think that's an, an, an entry point, right, for us to deepen our own compassion for ourselves and, you know, sending love and, and, all, and get rid of that constructive talk. How do we yeah. do that? Well, I think we do that in a few ways. You know, once, once I was aware, and when I work with clients, you know, the first thing we do is begin to recognize the inner dialogue. And then what I use a tool, I think the most powerful tool in, in my toolbox, I guess, is first I want to say what most people want to do is we want to get rid of those thoughts, right? So as soon as we recognize, oh, my gosh, I have been walking around for the last however many years with this inner dialogue that's, that's creating my life the exact way I, the way I don't want it. 
So mm-hmm. once we have awareness, a lot of times people will want to get rid of them. Oh, I've got to get rid of these. And so what I do is a gentler approach. I, I use a process uh, basically called the questioning process, which I, we begin to question everything. Where did I first get this thought? Uh, does mm-hmm. this thought serve me? In what way is this thought creating my reality? And then simply asking those questions starts to allow us to become a witness to them rather than believing we are those thoughts. You know, it's so funny for a living, my consulting business, I go to clients and I teach their salespeople, their frontline people, how to communicate more effectively with their clients. And one of the steps, I have a seven-step process that I have used for 32 years that just works. It's all about building the relationship and the respect of the client, right? So you have an on, like an ongoing commitment to each other. So how do, how do you get that? And questioning is one of the key processes, and it's that drilling down to say, who are you? Where are you? No matter what the product is that you're selling, and how can I better assist you? So we're almost okay. doing that same thing with self. We're drilling in to say, where did it come from? Where did it originate? Is it serving you? If it is cool, if it's not, why not? And that why is a brilliant question also, right? To me, it's magical. So that one three-level word, why, can define or, or help you define so much. So once we start asking these questions, do you do you think people should like write their answers down or just meditate? Everybody gets freaked out about meditation or at least just sit quietly and think about it. What, what is your normal recommendation? Well, what I would, I would check in with people and ask them what works in their own life. And I so appreciate you offered different ways to work with it because one person is going to really get a lot of value out of writing down their answers. You know, I, I have clients that write down, uh, in the evening, every every question they've asked themselves and the answers to those questions, someone else might want to sit in the silence and really the intention is to recognize how these thoughts are impacting our lives. So mm-hmm. when I work with people, I what I invite is, you know, we're not going to we're not going to try to get rid of them yet. We're just going to simply recognize what's happening with this internal dialogue. And in some framework, we'd call that the ego and really recognize how does it feel in my body when I say something like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this again. I'm never going to get ahead. You know, it's those mm-hmm. thoughts that, mm-hmm. and we can, when with awareness, whether that's through writing the answer or being in a community that supports it or um, meditating, we want to feel the impact that it has on our, in our bodies, in our spirit, and then how does it affect our lives? So it, again, it's like really learning how to be a witness to those thoughts rather than believing we are them. And we have to take a break. Um, Maybe when we come back, you'll answer for me unless it's a shorter answer. So once we make ourselves aware, once we ask these questions, journal it, meditate, think about it, whatever, again, find the community that supports me. How do I start to forgive myself? And that's probably a big answer. We should take a break and then answer that. That sounds perfect. Is that good? Okay, so we'll take a quick, quick break, and then we'll come back and answer. How do we, how do we deliver self-forgiveness to ourselves? A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. 
Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back with T.J. Woodward, my my awesome author here <laughs> and speaker extraordinaire. Um, so we're talking about self-forgiveness and how to bring awareness, ask ourselves questions, right, kind of get to the root cause, and then how do we forgive ourselves? How, how do we move to that? Well, there's, there's a couple of things I'll offer. First, when, we, when we're able to um, witness the thoughts generally, Self-compassion, self-love, and self-forgiveness becomes a natural byproduct. When, those, when, when someone's struggling with releasing those and getting to self-forgiveness, I begin to do some other questions I think that are useful, which are, how is this serving me, and what do I want to experience in my life? And, and, and what we know, we all want to experience more love, more connection, um, more compassion, and when we get to the point where we're not tied to those thoughts, it actually comes pretty easily. Um, and then the, the only other tool that I would offer is I picture myself, or I invite clients to picture themselves as a small child, and what does that child need? Because what most of us got was some pretty critical things coming our way as children, but they mm. needed love and compassion. So that part of me that is whole and perfect, um, I speak to that part and I begin to welcome that into the room. And when I see myself as that small, innocent child, uh, forgiveness comes pretty naturally for most of us. Yeah. How can you be cruel to this innocent being that needs you? for everything, right? How can you yeah. be cruel to it? If anything, the smell of them just gives you peace, right? Seeing a child or hearing them coo, yeah. you know, it, it's so peaceful and calming. So, yeah, I, I love that. And I've heard that before. And, and it's funny, TJ, I've used that before. I have a friend who does Reiki on me, and she's done some regression things on me. Because, um, you know me, I want to experience everything. Yeah, <laughs> I'm course. like a little curious George. <laughs> <laughs> So she had me um, from previous life. There was a situation that I clearly was holding on to the emotion and I held the child and the visualization of holding that child in my arms. And, you know, I could still feel the emotion. When I think about it, I feel the emotion come and, and all you feel is kindness and love and, and pure. And, and it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. So I do love that tool and it really, really does work. Um, so thank you for sharing that because I never would have put the two together. Um, yeah, but you, and, yeah you, you look at your little self and, and feel love and compassion. Yeah, and it's what's amazing what you're speaking to. And, and you know, in, in psychological terms, we would call this, you know, trauma, early childhood trauma. And really, any time that we are, receive messages and believe them that we are less than whole and perfect is a traumatic experience. And that mm -hmm. all gets stored in the body. 
Um, as little children, we don't have the mental capacity to recognize how to work with this. So we end up making these huge decisions about the world, like it's not safe or I'm not okay or I'm broken in some way. And that gets stored in our body. And when we get down to recognizing that because of that, we've made all of these decisions about ourselves and the world, and therefore that inner dialogue is continuing to really, um, what I would say, concretize an untruth about who we are. And when we get to that place like you're speaking of, and we have that compassion for that pure and innocent self, forgiveness just becomes our natural state. Um, compassion and love is really who we are. Yeah. I, I just think it's a great tool, and I think everybody should try that next time you're beating yourself up. I lost my keys again. I'm an idiot. I'm running late. I'm stupid. You know, all of these self, um, just horrible um, words that we throw at ourselves, just stop for a minute and say, if a little child did this right now where they lost your keys, would you freak out on them? Or would you say, okay, let's re- retrace your steps until we find them. And you would show forgiveness and, and kindness, right? So I uh, yeah. try that folks out there. That's an easy one. All right. Yeah. Let's shift to the self-love now, because I think they're very much connected. Why is it, and you might have answered this, but I want you to build on it a little bit. So why is it so hard for us to truly just love ourselves as adults, flawed, all of our flaws and imperfections and all our weird idiosyncrasies? Why can't we just embrace that? Why do we have to judge it? Well, because we've believed a fundamental lie about ourselves. That's the best way I can say it. Um, We've believed a fundamental lie that we're separate. And because we've believed we're separate, Um, We have an original separation from who and what we came into this world to be, you know, this connection or this oneness with our divine nature. You know, there's a lot of different words for that, source, love, light, who we are. And when we believe in that separation, then there's this striving toward what we believe is perfection, right? So I need to, like, find something outside of myself to fix myself. I need to look good for others. Um, So we strive for this sense of perfection, and here's the greatest paradox. We strive for a sense of perfection when all along we're whole and perfect anyway. So we create all these different strategies to try to look good, and that's really the antithesis of self-love because it's really who we are. It's returning to that essential nature. I, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, it does. And it's it's almost like our flaws and our imperfections. It's what makes us so beautiful, right, in essence? Yeah, because that makes us special and different from you or you from me because we aren't the same and everything we do bring we 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 want we should share with the world, right? You know, unless you're a murderer or something then that's a bad thing. But then that's that's a whole different mental, you know, that's a whole yeah. mental issue, right? So um so that self-love again it's that rhetoric that we've been taught of not being good enough. And the other thing you said, and I I think this is true for men and women, we seek that perfection of how we look, men to be coiffed, hair, the right suit, the shirts pressed, um, just so together. Women, you know, that we think we have to have all this designer stuff or that perfection because they airbrush these models in magazines. How do how can we strive to be that when when we're normal women, you know, with, you know, had kids and we have little bellies now, whatever it might be. And the same thing with men, you know, we're working so hard. You don't have time to spend eight hours in the gym. So we don't love how we look because of what we compare ourselves to. And I think what you're saying is we do that in many aspects of our lives. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and so until we get down and work with uh, that those core, what I call core false beliefs, because I know at our core, there's there's at least a part of us that recognizes our wholeness and perfection. But that outer shell that we've created of I'm not good enough, there's something wrong with me. When we believe that, of course, we're going to strive for, 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 for that kind of external perfection. And as you said so beautifully, that our society, you know, is really built on that idea. You know, you, if you look at advertising, if, if, if all of us believed we were whole and perfect, there would be a lot of uh, industries that just wouldn't exist anymore in the way they do. They, they have to te- tell us, you know, subtly and not so subtly that we need to look a certain way or be a certain way in order to be okay, which, of course, we know isn't true. Yeah, it's, it is sad. Again, so not only do we have the propaganda in our head from when we were kids, and, and you were so cute before you said not that any of our caregivers meant to hurt us. They did the best they could. You know, yeah. I have two boys, uh, TJ, and I say to them all the time when they think I'm just a horrible mother, and I'm the worst mother on earth, and I say to them, you didn't come out with a manual. You know what? Go to therapy when you're 21. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? I'm doing the best I can. So we, but really, that is the truth, and you know, I'm sure I've said many mean things to my kids. Hey, you know, I'm not perfect either, but they have to love right. me because my flaws make me beautiful, right? <laughs> yes, and you know, when what a child, as we know, what a child needs is love, and when we yeah. when we provide that that energy and that space with children, they're they're naturally forgiving of those moments that we we you know stray away from that. The beauty is when we can go back and say to them, you know, I, I really wanted to say that I. I I didn't mean what I said, and, I, you know, who you are is love. You know, those, that language, most of us didn't get that, you know. No. Um, and I, I love what's happening with conscious parenting now where parents are able to go back and, you know, kids really get it. They're, kids are really brilliant and highly intelligent and really pick up on every nuance of energy. Yeah, and they, they, I think children see the good where I think we become very cynical as we age and we become very judgy more yeah. than seeing the good in people. You know, my dad um, it was an immigrant to this country when he was 21 years old or 20 years old, and growing up, he would say, you know, if you stop and try to find the bad in people, you're always going to find the bad. How about if you stop and try to find the good in people, you might be surprised with what you find. So we are also, isn't that a beautiful, he's really a brilliant man, my dad. But it's so funny because we are very judgy. We see a situation and we judge it versus seeing the situation and saying, I wonder why they responded that way. What's going on in their life? Wow. And send them love and and compassion. We judge immediately. Like why are they acting that way? So we really are a very critical society as well, which is kind of sad. Yeah. And and I, I love what you're saying because, you know, we often hear I have to learn to love myself before I can love others. And I, I don't really wholeheartedly believe that statement because it's really a two-way, it's really an exchange, right? So when I can do that for myself, I can do that for others. When I can do that for others, I can do it for myself. So like, I love what your dad said. And I can also reflect that for myself. When I look for the bad, the so-called bad within myself, I can find it. If sure. I look for positive qualities, they're there as well. Sure. It's a choice. It really is a choice of how you approach the situation. And I think we're taught, well, think about it, TJ, in school, you're not taught that you got 98 right. You're taught you got two wrong. Absolutely. 
So it, it really is it's programming. So I like what you, you said when we started. We have to become aware, then unlearn what we learned, and then yeah. relearn and re, retool yeah. ourselves. Right. So now, all right. So the self-love, how your, your example with the child, I love that for the self-forgiveness, right? To say it's okay. How do we create um, that acceptance and that self-love for ourselves so we don't have so much disdain all the time? You know, I think the, the process is so similar. You know, it's really, I think both self-forgiveness and self-love essentially are, are one and the same. You know, I let go of all those beliefs and ideas and those things that I've hold that are really a lie about myself. And then self-love becomes a natural way of being. So I think, again, that same tool of recognizing our essential nature and what you said so beautifully is that we're choosing, we're always choosing, but I, mm-hmm. I had no idea I was always choosing. So questioning my choices, asking, is it true? And returning to that, that sense of feeling not only, because this isn't about loving myself, this is about recognizing myself as love. And that's a fundamental shift that's really different than what a lot of people are saying. The idea of loving myself and loving another is still believing in that sense that there's something wrong here and I need to love it. When I Mm -hmm. recognize it's who I am, then I get to express that in the world. It's like in a romantic relationship. If I feel like there's something lacking and I'm looking for my partner to bring it to me, that's, that's a recipe for, some, uh, for a lot of pain. When I know who I am and I know that I'm love and I want to share that with another person, that's a different paradigm. That, that's heaven to me right there. Absolutely. Well said. And that's why the divorce rate is so high because we're always looking externally for that love or for that fix or for that feeling of belonging. So we're always looking externally when really, and it's so funny because everything you read um, and it, you know, spirituality, my, my corporate people, you know, listening, I know that so many executives today believe that you need to have the spirituality in order to have to be good and, and, and to thrive in a corporate environment and meditation and all of that. And the reality is we, we have to just be, be satisfied with who we are. I like, I like how you said it, that it's not about loving myself. It's just realizing that I am love. And when I go with that attitude and I shine my light on the world, they feel my love without me having to change a thing because I just am love. But we don't believe that. We don't believe yeah. that because, well, how can I be loved? I'm not too tall. I'm too fat. I'm not pretty enough. How, who's going to love me? It always yeah. goes back to that realm versus I am love. Yes, absolutely. And that, that's it. What you just said is it. I mean, and when we all make that commitment, to do that inner work, that's how lasting peace happens on this planet. It, that's, you know, it doesn't happen externally. It's all an inside job. And when I recognize that and really get that question, my choices, question that inner dialogue, and, and really make a commitment for that great remembering back to our essential self, everything changes. I don't need anything outside of me to change in order to have a fulfilling, connected, loving life. And I had yeah. no idea that was true. Well, because, again, it's that whole programming society programs us, you know, these these food manufacturers put addictive qualities so that we continue to eat unhealthy. So, uh, TJ, just kind of wrap it up for us. Self-love is really more about... Self-love is really more about returning to our essential nature and recognizing that we came into this world whole and perfect and that this isn't about learning 
It's much more about unlearning all those ideas that we've gathered, all those worldviews and perspectives, and then really recognizing how when we live in that paradigm of separation, how that feels in our body, how that impacts our lives, allowing ourselves and inviting ourselves to release those so that we can return to knowing who we are, which is love. And that's a really different way of living in this world. Yeah, I hope everybody I hope everybody tries your, your recommendations of just kind of sitting and being aware of those negative thoughts. Again, 80% of the time we have negative thoughts. And then just saying, okay, that is that thought serving me? What it, where did it come from? And asking those questions. And then looking at why isn't it serving me and how could it serve me better? What do I need to think? And the other thing I wanted to share is every night before I go to bed and every when I first wake up in the morning, I do my little mantra. People call it prayers, whatever. I, I don't pray per se, but I say, you know, bless everybody that I love, everybody around me. And then I say, thank you for my, the strength of my body. Thank you for the beautiful earth that, that we function in. You know, thank you for my loving and wonderful family. Thank you for all the gifts you give me every day. So I go to bed thinking all those beautiful things. Dr. Wayne Dyer, uh, God rest his soul, recommended that. And then in the morning, that's the first thing I do. And that, I think, also helps that you keep saying that paradigm of thinking. I think it helps shift that to get rid of those 80% of bad stuff and putting some good thoughts in our brains as well. Yeah. And we could do an entire show on the power of gratitude. One of my favorite topics. I definitely write about that in my book. Conscious. Yes. I loved that chapter because I am grateful for everything in my life. Every I just, I'm such a grateful person because God, like, why do I have so much? Why am I so blessed? Why are my kids, you know, they were given beautiful brains that they use. And, you know, I have a great marriage and I have an awesome extended, like, why? Why do I have so many blessings? So you just, I'm grateful all the time for everything. So, yeah, thank you for saying that. And I think we need to do another show on gratitude. I love it. That's my favorite topic. Great. Let's do it. Let's do it. We will. I will send you dates, my friends. All right, everybody. We we are out of time. Um, TJ, again, thank you for being on. And if you would like to connect with uh, TJ, he has a radio show as well as a TV show. Go to his website. It's all there at www.tj Thomas Joseph Woodward w o o d w a r d dot com and if you'd like to email tj directly for his brilliant insights you can go to conscious being book at gmail.com and if they want to get the book uh, conscious being they can go to your website as well as amazon and all of those things Absolutely. You can find it on Amazon or you can go to consciousbeingbook.com. I'm offering a special right now. Anyone who buys the book, I'm offering a complimentary 50-minute coaching session with me as well. So you can do that by going to consciousbeingbook.com and clicking on buy now. Oh, that's awesome. You know what? I'll put that link, everybody, I'll put that link on the website so that you can, I'll put special offer and then consciousbeingbook.com, correct? Perfect. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. TJ, thank you so much. Everyone, he will be back. We're going to do a gratitude session. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Everyone, you've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much and have a wonderful, exciting, and inspired week. Go do some work. Have a great one. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here.